exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. My name is Dave Harinku and I will be your host as usual. And as always, Megan, my lovely co-host to my left. How's it going, Megan? It's going great, thank you. Good to hear. Hope you had a nice weekend. Mm-hmm. Hope all of our listeners out there had a fantastic weekend. A lot to get to in the sports world today. Uh, very interesting weekend in college football for our Spartans. Got some Lions to get to. Also going to talk a little bit of our Detroit Pistons. They did kick off the season here uh, last Wednesday. We also will probably get to a little bit of the possible baseball playoff expansion. And as always... The enlightening and enriching facts at the end of the hour. But let's get to this. Uh, the Spartans. The Spartans played this weekend at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City. Spartans got demolished. 37 to 6 was the final score. And the Spartans now are 8 and 1. Uh, they've dropped to 14th in the BCS standings after being 5th the week before. And we sit at 16 in the Associated Press poll. So, Megan, I know you watched this game. I watched this game myself. Uh, what did you take from this game? Mm, Lots, a lot to say. <laughs> they, I don't even know where to start right now. Um, they did everything that we talked about last week. Or actually, I'm sorry. They didn't do anything that we talked about last week they needed to do to beat Iowa. They fell behind in the beginning. Uh, didn't play very well, hoping they'd come back as like their second-half team, which they've been in these past couple weeks. Uh-huh. And couldn't pull it off. I mean, we did score one touchdown, went for two, and didn't make it, obviously. But it, I, I just they're rushing killed us we just what do we have 31 yards 31 yards rushing which is uh, abysmal Um, I think I could rush for more yards possibly (laughs) and I mean they shut they shut down cousins forced three interceptions off of it and um, we couldn't come from any angle no we absolutely couldn't Uh, this team really uh, they didn't come out from you know from the kickoff from the kickoff honestly I mean even after you know Iowa really just systematically drove the ball down the field and got we got they got up seven nothing uh, you know, I still thought, you know, the Spartans barely had the ball. They, had, they hadn't had a chance yet. And without a doubt, the, the turning point in this game, hands down for me, was the interception that Cousins threw at the end of the first quarter to Micaiah Hyde. And when they run it in for that pick six and it got to 17 nothing, this game just got out of hand already. And, you know, at that point, uh, you know, Cousins, and see, this is why I was a little surprised by the interception because he didn't really have too much pressure. He was kind of just standing back there. He got flat-footed, and you know, from what he's you know he's been quoted at saying after this game, you know, I, I was thrown off my back foot, and you saw it. Uh, you know, this pass that was picked off, it wasn't even close to our receiver. Even if this guy did not cut under to grab that ball, they still are completing this pass. This pass is going way out of bounds. At least two out of the three interceptions I saw, he underthrew it. Yeah, and see, it, gave, it gave he has this his hang time with his throws was just way too long. Yeah, and he underthrew it, and he just gave our Iowa time to sit there, wait for it, and time it perfectly, and go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, I did not actually see the third pick. Uh, I was outside uh, trying to collect my thoughts. Uh, <laughs> you know, there was a point there in the second half where I didn't mind missing about like four minutes of the game. I thought maybe I come inside somehow. It's like thirty to fourteen. I thought maybe in some crazy way, but friend comes out right at, right after they get the ball right. in the second half. Oh, Cousins threw another pick. I'm like, well, great. I'm going to stay outside and throw this fo- this football around a little bit longer because maybe we can get a little uh, team going. We can play some better football out of Kinnick. Um, I know this team struggled out there in Iowa. You know, They haven't won there since 1989. But I, what just disappoints me the most is them not showing up at all. I understood if they lost this game. I wasn't Honestly, if they lost this game, I get it. Uh, yeah, Iowa's a fantastic team. They're a real good team. They're legitimate. They only lost by a point to Wisconsin the week before. And basically, you know, that game came down to who had the ball last against Iowa and Wisconsin. I feel like MSU showed up expecting to lose. It almost seemed like that. It almost seemed like they had that mentality. Mm -hmm. uh, That Again, and this is something that, you know, you've already, you know, brought up. They, and we said this, they could not play the type of game they played against Illinois and that they played against Northwestern against Iowa. You could not come out and dog the first half and think you can fix things at halftime. This team... I don't know if they thought that, but honestly, this game got out of hand so fast, I think they were just shell-shocked. I don't even think they realized what had happened. I mean, by the time they were only halfway through the second quarter, this game was 23 to nothing. 
I mean, this game was out of hand pretty much. This game was out of hand before halftime. I can't say it it was out of hand. Yep. Uh, they had nothing, three and outs. I mean, they were four for 14 on third down efficiency. Um, even the penalties still, seven penalties for 63 yards. Iowa kept their composure. They only had three penalties for 35 yards. Like you said, 31 rush yards. We let them run the ball for 162 yards. It was a joke. I mean, Cousins, yeah, you want to look at his completion percentage. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, 21 for 29, which uh, I think we could say he was 24 for 29 because he completed three interceptions. So uh, good for him, 24 for 29. Uh, but, you know, it just it, it was one of those games where I will not say, you know, everyone has this, you know, same old Spartan saying for Michigan State. It wasn't the same old Spartans, but it had that feel. It just had that feel when you have that big game, the game that everyone's looking towards, the game that everyone's circling on the calendar. Um, I was more excited for this game than I've been for any Michigan State game since I've been a fan. Uh, Biggest game in 45 years, hands down. And I just, after the first quarter, I was uh, already kind of, you know, I was depressed. I mean, how could you not be? I really just felt this team would make it a game. I never saw this game being a blowout. I saw it being a close game down to the end. And the fact that it got out of hand so fast... And, I mean, if you look at it, what, for how long in the fourth quarter we had Maxwell in? I mean, we didn't even want to leave Cousins out there. I mean, you know, I'm not dogging Maxwell. You came in, you you did what you could. I mean, this game was already gone. But, you know, even then, that's just, I mean, talk about just admitting defeat as well. Uh, you know, you're not even you're going to pull your starter and you put Maxwell in. Maxwell went 4 for 10, 29 yards. Uh, you know, he barely could do anything. Uh, we made Ricky Stans. He looked amazing. This mm-hmm. kid, he only threw the ball 15 times yet. He was 11 for 15, almost 200 yards passing, three touchdowns. Uh, again, the rushing attack, they got the ball all around to Robinson, Coker. Stans, he ran it when he felt like it. Uh, there were a couple times where we had Stans, he sacked. We missed so many tackles. In this game, we had this kid, and he just would scramper for a first down. And it just, you know, it really took it just took the wind out of the defense. I think at times, Greg Jones didn't look like himself. Uh, this guy, you know, he just he couldn't make the tackles at times when he needed to. And you know, the Spartans lost. Uh, it's it's nothing, you know, all Spartan nation. It's nothing to get completely down about. It's a terrible loss. Uh, I understand that. I'm I'm with you. This season's still a good season. It could be a great season still. They're eight and one. If they run the table here and go in eleven and one, you know, even if they don't make it to the Rose Bowl, that's a fantastic year. It's a fantastic year because no one I know I picked this team to go eight and four in the preseason. I think you might have even picked them at maybe nine and three at the highest. No one expected this team to do what they've done. Mm-hmm. And they have two easy two easy games coming up. Minnesota is absolute trash. Uh, we're going to be playing them at home here next Saturday. And after that, we get Purdue at home, which is also just garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've seen uh, both of these teams made to, they've been made to look like jokes. And they are the bottom of the Big Ten. And there's no reason yet. There's no reason Michigan State loses either of those games. No they, reason at all. They just need to... I, I think in order for them to have the mentality and to beat these teams as bad as they should, they need to put the Iowa game out of their heads because it's going to be... Yeah. It's going to haunt them forever, obviously. I, I completely... Yeah, you forget and, about that game. Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, they... I don't even... They dug themselves a hole in the Iowa game, and you, you, can't, you can't do that. You can't, like, dig yourself a hole and expect to get yourself out of every time, like Northwestern. No, not at all. I mean, when you're playing a team that is as good as Iowa, especially when you're playing a team like that on the road, you're not even in Spartan Stadium. You don't have that luxury of the fans behind you. I mean, that was a very hostile environment, and I think we've, you know, we've said before, uh, Michigan State really hadn't been tested on the road. They did go to Northwestern, which is, uh, you know, always kind of a bad environment, but we always have a, we have a huge fan base down there in Chicago, a lot of alumni, and we get a lot of people to come out to that those Northwestern games when they're on the road. So, I mean, you can even say, yeah, Michigan, yeah, it was on the road, yeah, it was a hostile environment, I'll give you that, but we still had a lot of state fans there, and this was the first time when you looked in that crowd, all you saw was yellow and black. And you know Michigan State, they just they kind of, they just look like a deer in the headlights. Once this game got to seventeen nothing, after that pick six, that stupid lateral, what a nice play by <laughs> Iowa that lateral, which this guy's just running down. I mean, we didn't have a chance. And mm-hmm. I tell you, after that, I just I mean I still have faith in the team. It was only the first quarter, mm-hmm. but you know at this time you know after that they just didn't show up in the second quarter. They couldn't put a drive together if their life depended on it. It seemed like I feel like a lot of our players were tripping over their own feet. Yeah, that's, that's what a, you said. A lot of missed tackles, and that's. I don't even know. One play, I'd see like five people trip over their own feet, and they just got like 20 yards at once. And Well, yeah. I mean, the problem was I noticed a lot of times, especially in the first quarter when they're driving, uh, a lot of these running plays where they should have been tackled for two to three yard gains, it was always a six to seven yard gain. Mm-hmm. It was always, a, you know, an eight yard gain. Maybe, a, you know, it was always more yards than they deserved. And I will say this. 
Iowa's defensive line got the best of our offensive line. We could not create a hole for a running back if we had to. Our offensive line looked flat-footed. We were getting pushed back the entire time. And, you know, that was a big thing. I think that's three weeks in a row now where you've seen our offensive line just not be able to get it done. I'm not putting it solely on them. I'm putting out this on the whole team, the coaching staff, every player. I'm not. There's not one person that I'm going to blame for this game. But, you know, look at the offensive line. The offensive line did not help. Okay, When you only run for 31 yards, that's not just your running back's fault. That's your offensive line's fault. They're not creating holes. They're not getting the lanes open for these running backs. There's a lot of times where you felt like there was a hole. Baker Bell, these guys see holes, and they close up so fast, they get stuffed. Mm-hmm. Stuffed again on third and one, third and shorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this It just reminded me of the Northwestern game. They figured it out in the Northwestern game, and they, they squeaked that one out. You're not going to do that against Iowa. Not a better team like that. You know, this team still does control their own fate and possibly sharing the Big Ten title. You just need to win out, okay? After that, obviously, national championship game. That's out of the picture, Yep. obviously. Mm-hmm. But you still have a chance at the Rose Bowl. Yep. Uh, you know, we do need some teams to lose. Uh, you, you need Iowa to lose. And honestly, uh, you know, we share the tiebreaker with Wisconsin. So if, you know, Wisconsin and us are the only one, you know, lost teams in the Big Ten, we'll get the bid for the Rose Bowl. Right. But, you know, we still need some things to happen. Uh, no matter what, this team will be playing a New Year's, New Year's Day bowl game. Yep. We will see that for sure. Also, so, uh, Ohio State and Iowa still have to play each other. Yep, they play each other in, uh, I believe, like two, two and a half, three, uh, about two weeks. I think it's November 20th. Okay, yeah, so about three weeks from now they play each other. And obviously one of those teams will garner another loss. Um, I really, honestly, I'm not sure what happens if Ohio State runs the table and we run the table, and we both have one win, one loss in the Big Ten. I don't know who gets that Rose Bowl bid. Because Ohio State's not getting, I mean, who knows? They might get a BCS bid, but I doubt it. You're still going to need teams like Auburn, Oregon, uh, Boise, TCU. You're going to need some other teams to lose if Ohio State's not going to go to the Rose Bowl but go to a, B, a, a better BCS game. So, I mean, basically, uh, you know, good season still for the Spartans, no matter what. No one get down too bad. Come on, none of us thought this team would have been here at this point of the year. I know it's a deflating loss. They didn't show up at all. It stinks. But you know what? Let, like Megan said, you can't let this loss linger. You have to get past this because you can't just fall apart and lose to a Minnesota somehow or lose to a Purdue. I feel like this is what happens to MSU all the time is we, we do so well. I've... I, don't, I think I was still in high school when they were doing really, really well. And they lost to one team and just completely fell apart the rest of the season. They lost like the next like three games. Mm-hmm. And I just that, that can't happen or else this would definitely be a failure of a season if we saw them lose the next few games. Yeah, exactly. And, I, and you know what? The unfortunate thing with the BCS and uh, just with, all of, with college football in general is when you lose late in the season, you just you don't have time to make that up. Wisconsin lost to us. Okay? They lost to us in week four. Mm-hmm. Now they've had time to make up for that. Look, right now they're ranked, I believe, uh, around uh, tenth, ninth or tenth in the country. I think they're ninth in the BCS right mm-hmm. now, and you know they've had time to make up for that. I know they beat, you know, they beat Iowa and they beat Ohio State. The problem is when you lose late in the year like this, you know what? You're going to drop like this. You're going to drop to around fourteenth because you know, especially losing that bad. Uh, the computer actually, the computers don't look at scores. They don't look at how bad you lost. They look at more strength of schedule. They don't look at well, they lost thirty-seven to six. We were going to drop this far no matter what. Uh, the AP is a different story. The writers are voting on that. So the writers did see something inside Michigan State, maybe maybe overrated. But still, like I said, it's a good season. It could be a great season, okay? If this team doesn't even make it to the Rose Bowl, it's a great season, okay? Now, what I want to get to, we got to get past this game. I want to get to something. Chris L. Rucker. Mm. Um, I want to talk about this real fast because basically all the, you know, he gets reinstated. It seems like all, all the news happens like two days after our show. Like yeah, it's always like we're you know kind of talking about like the what ifs, and then two days later, like everything breaks, you know, and he's in we're jail or he's getting reinstated to the team we're or just or something, yeah. But bottom line, for all of you living under a rock, Chris L. Rucker was reinstated Thursday after serving a suspension and an eight-day jail sentence for probation violation this month, yep. and that probation violation was for his uh, for his involvement in the Rather Hall incident last November. Now. First off, I just want to pose a question to all of our listeners. Do you think it was a good move to reinstate Chris L. Rucker? Give me a call, 517-432-3893. That's 517-432-3893. He was pretty lucky with his sense in the first place. He had an OWI and a DUI, and then it turned into reckless driving. Yep. He got 
the bottom best thing he basically could have gotten out of that. Uh, he did. And I mean, he, he did have a low BC, BAC, and I'm not absolving anyone for point, drinking and driving. It was 0.10. It was 0.10. I even mm-hmm. saw one report at 0.095, which is it's just... It, it was 0.095, then they re-gave him another breathalyzer. Uh, okay, so I mean, I mean, that's just... that We're nickel and diming here. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the same deal. Well, 0.1, okay? He was at 0.1. <laughs> point one. He was 0.02 above the legal limit. And, uh, you know, he wasn't trashed, okay? The, you know, this was after the Michigan game. Uh, you know, he was having a few beers, and, uh, you know, the problem is he wasn't supposed to be drinking in the first place. He, and if you're going to drink, listen, you know, I, you know, I've been on probation for MIP in the past. Yeah, I know I wasn't supposed to drink. I had a few drinks, okay? But I wasn't driving ever, okay? I wasn't putting myself in a situation, no matter what, to get caught. And, you know, bottom line is, Chris L. Rucker, he's made not one mistake, but two. I don't care if his involvement in the rather Hall incident was as bad. A lot of people are saying he was just kind of there for the ride. He was along for it. That's a bad decision, anyhow. To be in there, he's just there, and that's bad enough. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if you're actually the guy robbing the bank. Or if you're just the guy sitting away, sitting in the getaway car, you're both getting in trouble the same. Okay, you're involved, and that's the point of it. He was involved, and again, I just see this program. Just misstepping, and I'm not. I know we talked about this. I don't believe it was just Antonio's decision. They talked about the AD too. Yes, okay I think Mark Hollis, the mm-hmm. you know our athletic director. I think him. I think Luana K. Simon. I think they both had a pull in this. I think they both. You know, I mean, and I, I do want to say that it was it wasn't a real big distraction. When you want to look at the Iowa game, no, it wasn't. I mean, this is a football game. They're not going to let this completely, you know, dissuade them from playing a good game. The point of it being is that no one should have been talking about this a day before the game. And that's what everyone was talking about. The the thing about the thing that bothers me with him is you have you mess up twice and you still get to play what like two three days after you get out of jail. Yeah. And what it's the message that I think our program is sending to the fans and sending to the people. And when I even said earlier, Izzo is a great coach, but with the whole Chris Allen thing and yes. March Madness last year, when we got to our, down to our last couple games, Chris Allen was suspended, yeah. and Izzo brought him down because he was afraid of how if we or who we would lose to and how bad we would lose. Yeah. And it's just the, it's the message that they're sending, and to it's to sit here. Okay, you can mess up, but we'll give you a chance. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I think I would have uh, absolved this whole thing a little bit more if just this program didn't have a history of kids getting in trouble. Um, all co- all college programs are going to have kids that are going to get DUIs, going to get arrested for assault, and all these kinds of things. But when it's just it's such a it's such a it's the history behind it that you had this rather hall incident, which was a joke to this school. I mean, it was an absolute joke. Eleven players that couldn't play in our our bowl game last year because of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a joke. You reinstate you reinstated Glenn Winston last year, the day after he got out of jail. And look, and that was after hit. And then what's he do? He goes off in the rather, rather Hall incident, and he was actually a very intricate part of that. I mean, this kid's, a, you know, Glenn Winston was a violent kid. He ended, he had, you know, his first offense. He punched a hockey player in the head at a party, ended up fracturing the kid's skull. Okay, and he goes to jail, and we reinstate him. Not a good judge of you know character there. And I know, okay, I want to give a quote here from uh, you know Pat Narduzzi, our defensive coordinator. He says, quote, But Chris L. Rucker is a super kid. I personally recruited him. I know his family. I've been to his house. I know everything about the kid, and he's a super kid. He's a super person, and he could watch my kids. He could babysit. He could do anything he wants. He's a super kid. That's a lot of super. Uh, but that's Coach D'Antonio's decision. But Chris L. Rucker is a great kid and a great person. I'll leave it at that. Now, I'm not saying he's not a bad, he's a horrible kid, okay? You know, I know a lot of people with DUIs, and his DUI wasn't bad. It wasn't like a point two. He wasn't just like out there really endangering lives. Again, I'm not agreeing with drinking and driving, but it was quite low. I really do believe, actually, the limit should be .10. I think .08 is a little low, especially when you're talking big football players. I think they can handle their alcohol a little bit better, and they might not feel as drunk. Um, I was actually in class today, and we read an article from the Free Press about this whole entire incident. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a, a reporter who found the tran- like basically the transcript of what happened. Like yeah. when it, when it happened, she got a, she got a hold of the tapes, and because there was like security tapes or yeah. whatnot. And the kid, the kid's car that he hit, like because he backed into someone's yeah, car. Yeah, in Seven Eleven, right? Yeah, and the kid's car that he hit was trying to pay off the officer. Yeah, because he was trying to say, yeah, he was just trying to say, mm-hmm. hey, listen, no, don't, don't, don't arrest this guy. 
No, this it's okay. I don't care. Chris <laughs> Rucker can back into me anytime yeah. he wants. He goes, if I don't press charges, will you not take him to jail? It's like, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're going to jail. Uh, you, know, un- you know, unfortunately, I mean, that's the law. You know, you drink and drive. The point of it being is that, you know, if you worked, let's say, let's say you just worked anywhere. Let's say you worked at uh, Walmart, right? And you get a, you know, you get put on probation, you get arrested, you know, for being in some violent incident, and then you get arrested for a DUI and spend eight days in jail. Most businesses, they're going to probably fire you. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to say, you know what, I'm sorry, I, we can't keep up with these transgressions. You know, you're not learning your lesson. We're going to have to let you go. Sorry, you know, you're spending ten days in jail. We can't make that up. The point being here is that that mentality should be kept with the football team. Okay, mm-hmm. why should he be allowed to come back the day after he gets out of jail, travel with the team, and then have D'Antonio put him in the game? The kid's not that great. He hasn't played in a long time. Yeah. He, he looked like a joke out there. The one play they scored that third, that fourth touchdown on, he got bowled over <laughs> by like three Illinois. I mean, three Illinois. Uh, God, Hawkeyes, excuse me. <laughs> but um, we do have a call, so let's take the call. I'm going to stop talking for a second. <laughs> hey, Megan, you're on the uh, Spartan Sports Wrap. Hey, what's going on, guys? Not too much. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Um, I was calling to talk about record being reinstated. Uh, when I heard you guys talking about it last week, I really agreed with a lot of the things you're saying. I think, in a sense, it's really um, a bad example. For yes. People, it's kind of a bad example for the school. Um, that being said, I do think that people make mistakes, and the difference in, in this situation, kind of like what you said last week, you know, uh, college college football is not, you know, it's a priority. You know, it's, it's a really exciting thing to be able to do. It's a privilege to play, but yes. It's a privilege, right. Um, but the thing is, too, that him being suspended from the team uh, means he doesn't have a career in the future, quite likely, you know, and a lot of times for these players, I feel like that's sort of what they're banking on for a career goal, and a lot of people don't make it anyway, but um, when you look at it from that perspective, I feel like it sort of puts more weight on the side of maybe reinstating people. I don't agree with, um, you know, having him play after getting out of jail, what, three days later? Yeah, yeah exactly. Really, you know, giving him a, another chance on the team. Uh, I just feel like your future's at stake if you're not uh, kind of giving him that opportunity. Well, no, I, I, and I will agree with that, Megan. I, I don't want him, like, completely kicked off the team. I have no problem with this uh, program reinstating him, you know, this week or next week. You know, I, I don't. You know, it is his future to a degree. I mean, he's out. He might. He most likely won't make it to the NFL. He's a student athlete, so he should be in some way working towards a real degree. Hopefully, because right. a lot of these kids right. don't make it to the NFL. Um, I will agree. You don't want to completely like destroy this kid and make him completely disheartened because he got a DUI and you know had a few, few too many beers. I just didn't like the way they went about it, and I, that's my problem with it. And that definitely, and I and I think that. It maybe wasn't the best choice to have him, you know, a couple of days out of jail now back in the game, especially in a game that turned out to be such a disheartening loss for us, because um, it just sort of sends the wrong message. And then you can kind of, even if maybe it wouldn't have been any sort of correlation, now it looks like one. Exactly. So, as far as, you know, maybe team morale or things like that. So I totally understand what you're saying. I guess I just feel like, you know, when you think about your future, and, and maybe and maybe he won't go pro anyway, but I just think it's an important thing to keep in mind because... You know, obviously, I think uh, as a student athlete, that's your dream, of course. You know, and he made a couple mistakes, and like you said, his, his blood alcohol level at point one. You know, he may have had half a beer too much, and that's you know. Yeah, he did. He probably much, had like three and a half, four beers. Uh, right. And it's yeah, that's nothing ridiculous. Uh, you know, my problem is is that I just I look back to last year and Glenn Winston being reinstated the day after he walked out of jail, and right. it's just like Chris right. L. Rucker. And I just you know I think it almost sets a precedence for these players to think you know if I even screw up two times and they're not too bad at screw ups, I'm going to be back on the team. And I just think you know you need to you know create a certain kind of uh, just you need to create a certain respect for your program an atmosphere kind of yes an atmosphere and i agree because a lot of times uh people are easy to jump to the conclusion that we are not a serious school it's just a party school and we have that uh you know especially after the incident last year exactly looking at us like oh you know same old spartans violent you know crazy drunks in this whole nine yards and that's not the right uh image to be putting forth for our school either so No, it's not. Well, Megan, thank you very much for the phone call. I really appreciate it. All right. Have a great night, guys. You too. 
And I do agree with that. I mean, I do agree with the point that, I mean, you don't want to completely, you know, ruin this kid's future to a degree. I mean, he's a fifth-year senior. I mean, the point is, is if this kid was going to make the NFL, he's going to make it with his body of work already. If he's a fifth-year senior, he's already played eight games this year. Or not eight games, excuse me, like six games because he didn't play for the last two. But... Bottom line, it's just after what has happened last year, and like you know, Megan brought up, it's this atmosphere, it's this mentality around the country that Michigan State's this party burning couch kind of school, uh, you know, just riots and just say, you know, if, you know, kids can do whatever and they can be back on the team. I just don't think it looks good. I think it was just ill timed. Uh, you know, no one's talking about this Iowa game on Friday when that's what we should have been talking about. I'm listening to sports radio. I'm talking to friends, and what are we talking about? We're talking about Chris L. Rucker. We're talking about this kid. He's not our quarterback. He's not our main running back. Don't get me wrong, he's a pretty good cornerback, but at the same time, you know, we've 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 gotten through not having him. And why are we sitting here wasting breath for hours and hours talking about him? I'm wasting my breath now. Point is the game's over. And the problem is that this should not have been the story on Friday or Thursday. The story should have been how are the Spartans gonna beat the Hawkeyes? And that wasn't the story, and that's my problem with it. I don't think Chris L. Rucker, I don't think he's I don't think he's like Glenn Winston at all. I don't think this is a bad kid. I, I think Glenn Winston, he's just no good. He was just a violent person, and he just should not have been on the team to begin with. I don't think Chris L. Rucker is that kind of guy. From what I hear, more follow the crowd, kind of gets himself in some bad places, makes some bad decisions. Bottom line being, ill-timed. Uh, and again, I don't think D'Antonio completely made this decision, th- this decision on his own. I think his hand was forced, maybe even to a degree. It is his team, but when you have the AD and the you know president of your school involved in this, don't try and convince me for a second that they did not have a hand in this and we're trying to say, hey, listen, big game this weekend. Maybe we should reinstate the kid now instead of next week. Just my opinion. I don't know. I agree. But we are going to take a quick break right here. When we get back, we're definitely going to talk some Detroit Lions, get to the Pistons, and see what else we can get to. We only got an hour, so we're going to get to the break. You're listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sitter Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. All right, after all that talk, Rucker, the football game, uh, we're going to move on. And actually, I'm going to throw the mic to Megan real fast. Uh, I just want to let everyone know, um, tomorrow does kick off our Spartan basketball season. And we have some pretty pretty exciting things going on. Um, we play, I mean, we play Saginaw tomorrow, so that's nothing like super exciting. I think it's 7.30. <laughs> but um, we were picked in the preseason poll to be number one in the Big Ten with Ohio State and Purdue behind us. And Kaylin Lucas is selected as the preseason player of the year for the second year in a row. Nice. So, I mean, if you want, I, I have season tickets. I can't go tomorrow, which kind of I'm not happy about, but class comes first. And, I guess so. <laughs> and so it's I I think it won't be a good game, but I think it'll be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a cool kickoff for the for the Spartan season and to be first in the Big Ten and coming off the season they had last year, we made it pretty far. Yeah, and, we did. I mean final four. So. Yeah, and I mean we got we have a bunch of seniors that led our team last year. Kalen Lucas is finally back um, from his torn Achilles and I, I think I'm excited. I'm excited. Oh, no. It's going to be a real good season. Definitely. I mean, the season's finally getting going. Uh, just more sports to pay attention to. And uh, our Spartans uh, will have a deep run. 
Uh, regardless, lots of you know, watch this year with uh, college basketball. Uh, I actually, uh, I'm sorry, Robbie Hummel, but I'm really happy. No offense, you went down <laughs> with Purdue because I mean you're a fantastic player, and he's not playing out there in Purdue. That's going to make Purdue the you know the weaker team. Uh, I thought Purdue probably would have been almost possibly ahead of us uh, this year if they would have had Hummel, but Hummel's out. So it's going to be a good season. Uh, you know, I mean, this is a, that's only their yeah they're starting an exhibition, right? Is that like the season opener opener, or is that like um, a preseason? I'm pretty sure it's a preseason. Yeah, it's, they have like like two or three preseason games, yeah. right, or something. And then yeah, yeah, then the season kicks off. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's preseason, but it, you know a chance to go out and you know see what this team looks like. You know, I mean we've been waiting around since uh, you know what the end of March, basically uh, first right. week of April. It's been a while, so it's exciting to see uh, basketball really get back in full swing. Yeah, it's preseason. Yeah. So uh, let's move on though. Let's talk about the Detroit Lions real fast. A game that not many people could watch. Uh, this game was blacked out. Uh, we could not sell the tickets, but uh, the Lions won. Lions always when we're blacked out. Maybe we should keep having them blacked out. The Lions won 37-25 against the Washington Redskins this Sunday at Ford Field. Uh, the Lions got it done with resiliency. This team uh, was back and forth. They were up, they were down, they were up, they were down, and uh, they ended up pulling this game out. Uh, it, basically, I want to give uh, the game ball to Indama Kasu. Uh, this kid, is he's a beast. He's, he's fantastic. Uh, 17-yard fumble return. There to, uh, you know, basically to seal the game up. There with a minute and 36 seconds left in the game. Uh, the Lions, they, they won the game. Uh, a game they should win. Uh, I, you know, again, uh, I, I will get back to this. Like when we talked about the St. Louis Rams win, this is a game the Lions should win. And uh, that's just my point. I'm happy it's a win. Um, I'm always happy when the Lions win. But again, let's all keep this in context, fans. The Lions should win this game. The Washington Redskins aren't that good of a team. Okay, they're really not. And, you know, the Lions, what they finally did is actually, you know, even though they had a lot of miscues, I mean, this team had, you know, seven penalties for 65 yards, some bad ones, some ill-timed ones, uh, you know, two turnovers, a fumble, and a pick. But, you know, they made up for it. They, and I'll tell you, play the game, hands down, fourth and one, 10-yard line, Lions convert for a touchdown at Calvin Johnson. That's your play of the game. Lions miss, Lions don't get that. They miss, they miss there. There's still only three minutes left. They would have lost that game for sure. Um, I, you know, Matt Stafford looked all right. He looked pretty decent. Uh, four touchdowns, one pick. Uh, he was 26 for 45, you know, basically a little better than a 50% throwing. Um, he looked a little timid, rusty in the first half, but what can you expect of the kid? He was out for like seven weeks. So uh, I'm not going to blame him for that, but he did once he got going in the second half. He found Megatron and got it going. Calvin Johnson, uh, season high, right? You know, season high that game, nine uh, receptions. Hundred and how many? Hundred and one yards, three touchdowns. Uh, fantastic uh, by Calvin Johnson. Stafford and him really locked in, got things going, and you know the Lions pulled off a win. They're two and five now, and uh, you know what I gotta say? Keep it going. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know now you need to beat a team that you're not supposed to beat. Uh, I, I think is my opinion. You know you need to beat someone you're not supposed to beat, and that and then I'll start jumping on your bandwagon a little bit more. My whole point with the Lions is. They're getting better. I get that. All right, they're, they're they're getting better. They're a better team than they were last year. They're a better team than they were two years ago. They're getting pieces together. That defensive line with Vandenbosch, Cliff of Real, and Indamika Sue, fantastic. Indamika Sue, one of the best defensive linemen in the league, hands down, top three, top five defensive linemen. This kid's everything that a number two pick should be. He's fantastic. He's he's everything. Calvin Johnson's great. Uh, we needed some more out of Brandon Pettigrew here with that pick that we took last year. But at the same time, the Lions need to win games. They're not supposed to win. Mm-hmm. They need Okay, you play the Jets next week, win that game. Okay, Win two in a row. Um, you know We haven't seen this team win two in a row in a long time. This is the first time the Lions have actually won two out of three games in three years. They did that back in 07. This team has not won, though, three games in a row since early 07. Okay? Or even two games in a row. You need to beat the better teams before I'm going to sit here on the air and say this is a good football team. You're two and five. That's not fantastic, okay? And everyone wants to go back to the Chicago game and say they should be three and four. Well, they're not. I, I get it. I agree. Process of the catch. It's a stupid rule, and it burned us. Same time, it doesn't matter. It's the win and loss column. That's all that matters to me. Good for the Lions. They won a game, a game they should have won. Let's keep them blacked out. Uh, I guess so. I mean, it's upsetting. This happened last year. We played the Cleveland Browns last year, and this was one of the most exciting games of the season. They ended up winning this game like 37-35. to It was a shootout. And, again, game's blacked out. 
I mean, if everyone can't remember, we beat the Redskins last year to finally get off the schneid after we went 0-16. The Redskins aren't good, okay? They're not that good of a team. They really aren't, okay? Good job by the Lions. They kept their composure, and they found a way to win this game. That's the thing that the Lions like to not do. They like to find ways to lose games. They put it together, and they finally won. They ended up putting up, I mean, if you look in the fourth quarter there, they put up what? Like uh, 20 po- 23 points. 23 points in the fourth. That's a, That's good. And that pick by Alfonso Smith might be the play of the game for all you Lions fans out there. This game was five minutes left, and Alfonso Smith stepped in front of a poorly thrown pass to Anthony Armstrong, and they were losing 25-20 this time. That was a huge pick, and that's when they had to go-ahead drive. And, you know, fourth and one, they converted. Good for them. I mean, I just I keep saying, you know, in the NFL, if you, if you, can't, win, if you can't beat teams that you're supposed to beat, then, I mean, come on. Let me just give me a break. So I get a little, I mean, I don't know about you, Megan. I just keep getting a little annoyed when everyone thinks this team is great when they're 2-5. and five. Yeah, Well, I don't know. I think it's because we had those close games and we actually won a couple. So they're like, oh, we're getting so much better. I mean, we did have an 0-16 season. Yeah, we two, did. Two years two, ago. Yeah, and a win, win two games so far. And now everyone's probably hopping on the bandwagon. Maybe we're going to win, win the rest of them. I know. I mean, yeah, I got some people I'm hearing, they're, you know, they're going to win the six out of their next uh, nine. Um, you know, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I'm not getting down to the Lions. Lions got a lot of good pieces. And give it a year or two, this team's going to be in contention for the playoffs, hands down. Not this year. I wish I could have watched that game. Uh, me too. I definitely wish. I heard it was a back and forth game. I mean, this is everything I've read about it. Back and forth. Exciting. Uh, you know, came down to the end. Uh, you know, fantastic fumble force by Kyle Vandenbosch there. When I don't know why they took McNabb out exactly. They put in Rex Grossman, who's absolutely gross out there. He's. I'm sorry. That was pretty bad joke, but I mean, he's awful for all you Chicago fans that remember the time he was uh, running your team. So, I mean, you know, good win by the Lions. They won it. Okay, that's good. You don't know, prove it to me next week. You play the New York Jets, a five and two ball club. The Jets are a real good team. Now they just lost nine to zero to Green Bay this weekend, but they don't give up a lot of points. The Jets have a fantastic defense. They have a great run defense, and uh, we don't even have a running game. So uh, don't expect to get any more running yards uh, this next week. Right now, I mean, the Jets are holding opponents, I believe, like eighty some running yards a game. It's just it's incredibly low. So, I mean, I don't know about you, Megan. I mean, I thought it was a decent game. Uh, you know, I didn't get to watch it, but mm-hmm. seeing the highlights and reading everything about it, you know, Stafford, you know, he, he got things going, and that's good. But uh, right now, you know, you got the Jets. They have a plus uh, 10 turnover margin, and that's pretty darn good. Darrell Revis is a fantastic cornerback. Obviously, Darrell Revis will be on Calvin Johnson, and we'll see what they can do. Uh, we do have a high scoring, uh, you know, when you, I see right here, we're scoring 37.7 points per game at home this season. I mean, we're putting the points up. We definitely are. But like I said, win a few games in a row. Beat the teams you're not supposed to beat. And then I'll start talking about how good this team is. I think they're better. They're not good. The better. Okay, you have the Jets next week, then you're at Buffalo and you're at Dallas. Two out of the three of those games are winnable games. You should beat Buffalo on the road hands down, and you should definitely, I think you should beat Dallas on the road. Dallas is garbage. You got the, you know, the old Detroit Lions over there with John Kitten and Roy Williams. Okay? I mean, this Dallas is a team looking to lose. They've given up on the season, it seems like, at this point. They're 1-6. Uh, absolute trash. Tony Romo went out last week and Monday night, has a broken clavicle. He's out six to eight weeks. So let's take the John Kitten on a couple weeks, okay? I mean, let's beat some teams. Let's win some road games. This team still has not won a road game in three years, okay? You better beat Buffalo in two weeks. At least make it a game next week against the Jets. And if you can beat the Jets, well, then I'm definitely going to start jumping on the Lions bandwagon. <laughs> But as of right now, when you've beaten the Rams at home and you've beaten the Redskins at home, that's nothing for me to just jump up and down and, you know, wave my Lions flag and go crazy about. I can't drink the Kool-Aid yet, okay? Give it some time. Give it, a, you know, just beat some better teams. That's all I can really say about it. You need to beat some better, you know, better opponents. Washington handed that game to us, and we took it, which is good. You have Green Bay hand the game to us, the Giants had to hand the game to us, and we couldn't take it. We took this one as we should. Okay, those games were on the road, and that's my point. Prove it to me on the road. Prove it to me next week against the Jets. Because as of right now, you know, like I've, I've already said it enough times, it was a win, a win you should have had. And I'm shocked. They only, they only, 42,000 seats. That's, they only sold 42,000 tickets for this game this Sunday. I don't know if everyone, I don't know what they were doing for Halloween. Uh, it seems like a fun game to go to. And that's just, you know, that's what blows my mind, really, is that everyone's so, it seems like behind this team, and then they get blacked out. I don't really understand that. 
Uh, and I hope next week to watch the game. Uh, I really do. Uh, I, I would love to watch this game rather than just have to watch highlights and read about it. Yeah. Um, it would be exciting. It's not like I'm getting some great highlights on ESPN, trust me. Not, not with the Lions game. And it's not the marquee matchup of the Sunday football. Okay, the Lions beating the Redskins. Wow. Amazing. We beat them last year, okay? So, I mean, nonetheless, good job, Lions. You won the game. Keep it up, okay, guys? You're going to be better in the future. Just, you know, work on work on what you have right now. I mean, let's work on third down efficiency. Four for 17? It's crap. It's absolute crap. I mean, I know we held uh, Washington to two, two of 14 on third down, but give me a break. I mean, that's just trash. <laughs> Come on. I mean, all, all, all around Detroit, hey, you won the game. Congratulations. Just keep it up before I'm going to get on your – I'm really going to get on your bandwagon. Because they're two and five, and that's that's all that matters. Two and five in the NFL, and that's all I can say about that. All right, we're gonna move on to another Detroit team that pisses me off a lot, and uh, it's called the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons kicked off their season on the twenty seventh against the New Jersey Nets on the road, and they lost. And then they played on Friday with their home opener, and they lost by one. And then they played Saturday against the Chicago Bulls, and they lost. Now, I don't know if you noticed a trend here. They're losing? But they're 0-3. <laughs> that's, that, that's the trend that starts all this off. Okay, but here's my problem. I, I, I know we've talked. You, didn't, you haven't really watched too much of the Pistons yet, have I you? I haven't yet. I haven't had time to check them out quite yet. Yeah, I mean, they basically, I mean, I know Friday night, you know, I mean, how many people are really watching the Detroit Pistons? Saturday, you know, they played a later game. I was already sports out by the time they started, you know, after this football game. I didn't really want to watch sports for the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to enjoy uh, enjoy my pop. <laughs> but uh, talking about the Pistons real fast, uh, and the season did just start. They're 0-3, but my problem is the way they're losing. And right now, if anyone's got an opinion on the Pistons, anyone's been watching them, seeing how they're doing, give me a call. Let me know what you think of this team for the rest of the season right now. I know we're only three games in, but give me a call. Let me know what the feel is that you have right now. 432-3893. That's area code 517-432-3893. Because I'm just disappointed in the way they've lost. They blew a seven-point lead to New Jersey in their opening game. There was a minute 40 left, and they blew a seven-point lead to the Nets. They outplayed the Nets in the entire game. In every category, in every statistical category you want to look at, they outplayed them. Bench scoring, rebounds, they got it done. They were getting it done the entire game, and they blew it. They completely laid an egg. Then they played Oklahoma City, which is a good team. Uh, A team that, you know, many are picking as a dark horse out there in the Western Conference. This game, we had a one-point lead with seven seconds left. Okay? My problem is, you give up a layup, you give up a layup to lose the game. Now, I know there was, what, about a second left on the clock, so I guess you had a prayer of a chance. Listen, if let make Jeff Green shoot a fadeaway. Make Jeff Green pass the ball. He wanted to pass the ball. For anyone who watched this game, Jeff Green is looking to dish the ball. He realizes, I got no one open, so he just goes one-on-one with Jason Maxiel. And Maxiel's flat-footed, and he blows right by him and lays the ball in. I mean, are you kidding me? That's how you're going to lose this game? Make him shoot it, at least. Make him make a jump shot. I mean, a layup? And then they blow a 21-point lead to the Chicago Bulls. They had a 15-point lead in the fourth quarter, and they got outscored 34-9 to in the fourth quarter. That's a joke. That's a joke. And right now, I mean, I don't know what to say about this team. I predicted them to win like 33-35 to games this season, which is nothing that great. Uh, they only won 27 last season. But at the same time, this is not the way I wanted to start this year off. I mean, I don't know about you, Megan, but I would have rather lost these kind of games, you know, lost by five, lost by six. You just got outplayed. You know, if you just got outplayed for the entire game and they took it to you the whole way, well, then fine. You know, you got beat. When you outplayed New Jersey the first game and you outplayed Chicago, I can accept the loss to Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City is going to be like a 54-win team this year, 53-win team. They are solid. But when you're going to lose these kinds of leads, you're going to blow a 15-point lead in the fourth and a 7-point lead with a minute 40 left? Give me a break. Give me a break. Sounds like a Detroit team to me. Just It's, it's <laughs> futility. Um, you know that you, know, you can basically play three and a half quarters of a game and then just completely blow it. 
just completely lose it. Ben Gordon, he played a fantastic game against Oklahoma City and against Chicago. He had 21 points in the first half against the Bulls, and he put up 32 points against Oklahoma City. Where's been Rip Hamilton? Where's he at? He's shooting like 30% right now from the field. It's garbage. I'm sorry, Rip. We're going to need a lot more from you. Uh, you know, right now this season, I mean, I'm not expecting the Pistons to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs personally. Uh, I have them sitting probably around 10th, 11th in the East when all is said and done. Uh, I just want to see more structure to this team. I see a bunch of guys out there. I see a bunch of old souls and Ben Wallace and Rip Hamilton and a bunch of young kids like Austin Day. You know, and these guys, you know, unfortunately, Jonas Drebko is injured. He's not even playing right now. I just, I mean, Megan, I know you haven't watched much, but just thinking about the Pistons in general, how do you really see the rest of this season playing out? I mean, we're three games. There's 79 games left. You know, you know, you can't get all crazy about three games here. But It's just not a good start. It's just not a good start, exactly. And, I mean, what are you kind of seeing, possibly? It's do you one, see them squeaking into the playoffs? I mean, I mean, it's almost going, not going back to him, but kind of referencing to the, the Spartans. You can't dig yourself a hole. You dig yourself too big of a hole, you're going to get down on yourself, and you're not going to win. Mm-hmm. Ever. And like you were saying, we have some, we do have some older players, that some uh, uh, amateur players that should be still doing pretty well. And you know, Rip Hamilton, we've like we've relied on him a lot um, in the past, and for him to only be shooting 30%, you're saying from the field, and it's just you can't, we can't choke like that. And the blowing leads, I mean, that's uh, what kills me. Yeah, and that's what burns me up. You can't like. It's it's almost like oh yeah we're gonna win and then just kind of lay, laying back and just letting them run over you almost and for for how it's gonna go I mean three games isn't exactly too much of an indication of anything no especially with what you said seventy nine games left and so I can't sit here and say yeah they're gonna have a horrible season you know but they're not gonna be as good as they've been in the past well no I mean they just. they still need just they need to figure their stuff out I mean the problem is you have Ben Wallace he's your center. And I love Ben Wallace. Don't get me wrong. Ben Wallace, he is electric. You know, he plays with as much fury and intensity as you could ever ask of a man. The problem is he's like 36 years old. Mm -hmm. Okay? He's not Ben Wallace of 2003. He's not Ben Wallace of 2004 or 5. The guy's old. He's getting older. I mean, when we're talking, when we remember Ben Wallace, we remember the fro in him when he was 28. It's been seven years since we've won the title, roughly. Okay? It's been a while. When he's your starting center, when you don't have a front court, Okay, Charlie V, he's tall, but he's awful at defense. Charlie Villanueva cannot guard anyone. The guy's 6'11", and he couldn't rebound and guard if his life depended on it. He's 6'11", he can't do anything. He can score at times in spurts. He can't put any, up any defense. And finally, Greg Monroe, he finally played in Chicago. I mean, we just drafted this guy 7th in the first round. He finally played. He got his start in the second quarter. Uh, I guess he scored his first basket of his career on a putback after an offensive rebound. And he didn't even play in the second half. Two points. He was 1-for-1 one one shooting in 7 minutes. Three rebounds, three fouls. He's not being used at all. Uh, you know, we have no size in the front court, and that's what's been the Achilles heel of this team. We have never had a true center since Bill Lambeer. We still we don't have anything, no size in the front court. We're getting outmanned completely in the four and five spot right now, and it's just killing us. It's completely killing us. We're getting burned on the boards uh, with Will Bynum out. He's injured. That's not helping us. Uh, you know, Rodney Stuckey, he needs to be what he's supposed to be. He was touted as taking over for Chauncey Billups. That's why Joe D was so okay with getting rid of Chauncey, thinking that Rodney was ready to step up and take that role. He isn't yet. He hasn't taken that role. I know we're at the start of the year. He needs to do more. He needs to take. He needs to do more. And Joe D, if you're listening, you better move Rip or Tayshon. You got to move one of them or both of them. Because we need to we need to get a big man. And I know it's easier said than done, but we need a big man. And I'm sorry, it seems like you know we have half we have half of this team that is just the team from 03 and 04 and just a bunch of new kids. We need something in between. Okay? And right now, Ben Gordon, he's playing his heart out, and this kid had a rough year last year. It was his worst season yet. But you know what? I think Ben Gordon, he's gonna be fine. He needs to stay healthy. But you know, Tayshawn Rip, you need to move him. You need to get value for him right now. You need to get something while you can. Rip Hamilton's 32. He's not getting younger. Tayshawn's 30. He's already played in a million games. This kid, you know, he's played in so many games, he's bound to start getting hurt sooner or later. And you saw it last year. He had his most injured season and his least productive season. Okay? The Pistons, you know, I just, by the end of this year, I still don't know why this team isn't completely sold yet. I know we talked about it. I don't know what this stalemate is that's going on right now. 
I don't know why that Illich, it just, it's not outright, it's just not done. This needs to get finished. We've been talking about this since August. I mean, it's been, you know, they, you know, Karen Davidson, who is the, you know, owner of the Pistons right now, you know, was saying this will be done by the time the regular season begins. Well, you know, we're already a week into the regular season. It's not done. Uh, I just want to see it done soon. Uh, I don't really think that's, you know, really hurting any of the players' mindsets too much on, well, where and who's going to own this team. But at the same time, I, I just don't think it's good for the city in general. You know, it is just, it's kind of hanging out there. We'd like to have that finished up. Who's going to own this team? What direction is this team going to take? Because right now, it's just a hodgepodge of players. That's all I see it as. You know, this team doesn't have any chemistry, really. It's just like five guys out there playing right now. Well, don't get me wrong. Yeah, Ben, Rip, and Tayshaun, they have chemistry. Well, yeah, they've been playing together for years and years. But when you talk about the other guys on this team right now, I just think, you know, they don't really know their role. And that's that. That's what with the Pistons, that's what they were best at. Each guy knew what their job was. When this team was successful. And right now, I don't think they know that. You know, you got Gordon coming off the bench, and we just paid this guy five, you know, $55 million for five years. You got Rip kind of, you know, on the bench, off the bench. Such a log jam at the shooting guard position. It's ridiculous. I mean, we got, I mean, it's just, it's too many. You got Stucky, you got, you got all these guys all playing the same position. You're trying off the bench, on the bench. How can these guys get any consistency? Uh, you know, they need to really know their roles exactly, and I don't think they do right now. I think it's hurting the team. I think, going back to the owners, the whole ownership thing, we talked about this multiple times on our show in how an owner determines how good a team will be. Because, to a degree, yes. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, they, they hire who coaches, they hire who does everything, and then those people, in turn, you know, they pick the players to play. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've, we changed ownership, I'm sure. I'm not sure, but I'm... I'm Probably a couple of the players that you're saying we need to get rid of might go. Well, and they do. I mean, I think Joe D doesn't want to make any moves right now because he doesn't know. Uh, Joe D, though, is in the hot seat. Uh, I've let this guy off the hook for years and years because I thought he was one of the best GMs in the league. Uh, hands down, he made the moves. But, you know, well, listen, you passed on. You could have had Bosch. You could have had Carmelo. You could have had a lot of guys. You could have had Stoudemire. And you picked up Darko Milicic back in 2003 with your number two pick. Darko Milicic, the human victory cigar, as we knew him in Detroit. Uh, and now he's getting way overpaid out in, uh, God, I don't even know what team he's on right now. Uh, maybe Orlando. Or, he's getting way overpaid. He's getting like $20 million for four years. I don't know what they see in Darko. But, you know, you made that mistake, I forgave you. Okay, you traded Cha- Chauncey for I, 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 I forgave you. you. You need to make a move now. This team's in limbo, and he needs to get something done. And I know it's not it's not the easiest thing. To move Rip or Tayshon with their contracts, especially with Rip, because he's got like two more years on his contract, about $24 million. Uh, you can move Tayshon, though. It's in his final year, his contract for $11 million. And, you know, you, I, I love Tayshon. I've always liked him. I've always liked Rip, but this is a business, and, you know, there's a time when you just have to say goodbye. And I think we said goodbye to Chauncey too early now, and I think, I hope we just don't say goodbye to Tayshon or Rip too late. Uh, this team needs to make moves, and you know, it, at the end of the season, this team better not be the same hodgepodge of players. I'll say it again that they are right now because they just don't have any chemistry going. Uh, they're blowing leads that they shouldn't be blowing, and yeah, we're three games in the season, and who knows, they could turn it around. But not with how tough the East is going to be this year. I look at their upcoming schedule. You're playing Boston tomorrow night at home. Then you're at Atlanta, Charlotte, Golden State, Portland. Those are all tough games. And then even just going to the West Coast in general, you got to play the Clippers, the Kings, the Warriors. Anytime we go to the West Coast, then you got the Lakers. You have a lot of tough games this month. I mean, you know, we're just not that good of a team. And, you know, in the NBA, you know, it's tough to win games when you're just not that great of a team. You can, you know, you can pull something out of your hat in the NFL or in college football week to week. You can just, you know, impress. You can just, you know, play, you know, a perfect game. NBA is not as easy. You're playing a lot of games, and really the better teams win. The better teams usually win. And, you know, right now I look at the league. I mean, Mark Stein's got us ranked last in the power rankings. I mean, we're 30th in his mind. And I know it's three games into the season, but, you know, it does say something. It does say something. I'm not, I mean, like I've always said, basketball is my favorite sport. Pistons are my favorite team. I just want to see more out of them. I will never not be a Pistons fan. I will always be behind this team and supporting them, even in their bad years, because they gave us six, seven years of just, you know, always consistently making it, making deep runs in the playoffs. You know what? I'll give them time to rebuild. I just want to see that rebuilding. I just want to see things getting done. Here's a little update for all you Red Wings fans out there. 
Um, Chris Osgood, it looks like he's going to have to wait to reach 400 career wins. Uh, basically, he is out uh, for the next three to seven days. Um, they're saying right now that he has a uh, little inflammation uh, right now. Uh, no, uh, no tear in his groin. It's just some inflammation, I guess. But uh, the injuries, it's not serious, Ken Holland saying. It's uh, only three to seven days he will be out. But the Wings uh, are planning on taking Joey McDonald, uh, who they picked up from the Griffins, I believe, on their three-game road trip to Canada. Uh, the Red Wings will be playing the Calgary Flames coming up here on Wednesday. So Jimmy Howard is started. He is slated to start. He was out the last few games with back spasms, but... Uh, Babcock says that he should be ready to play. So just for all you Wings fans out there, don't expect to see Osgood around for the next uh, you know half a week, week or so. Uh, good thing nothing's torn there, but uh, you know definitely a solid backup. He just earned win number three ninety eight with the five two win this Saturday uh, over the Predators. So Ozzy get healthy, uh, Jimmy Howard, time to step up, buddy. Do your job. All right, let's see. We got six minutes left. Should I go to my facts now? Sure. You think so? That depends on how many you have. Well, I have ten. Oh. So I think we, yeah, I think we can stretch ten. Yeah. I mean, I have another topic, but if I start talking about that, then you go on. And, and then I'm done. I'm talking so much. And, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's do these facts. And these are. Uh, I'm always been a huge history fan. I love history. And we're gonna do some history facts, just all kinds of random stuff. So here are the interesting and enlightening facts for you at this late hour. Abdul Qasam Ismail, who is the Grand Vizier of Persia in the 10th century, carried his library with him wherever he went. 400 camels carried the 117,000 volumes of text. Wow. That's just a lot. That's Does he need every book? That's quite a load to carry that around. That is a lot. Well, I guess, I mean, it's not like you got, you know, UPS you, or, you know, like... You don't ever need clothes. He just wants his books. He just wants his books. So... <laughs> 400 camels. I mean, that's so many camels. That's a lot of books, too. That's a lot of books. I feel worse for the camels. That's a rough one. All right. Uh, let's see. About 200 years before the birth of Christ, the Druids used mistletoe to celebrate that winter was approaching. Maybe that's where it came for Christmas. I guess so. It probably, you know what? It probably did. It really probably, you know, and then we swung it with just uh, people making out. I don't know how that changed. We, we find some interesting things to do. Very interesting. I, I, yeah, we kind of turn everything and turn it into something else. <laughs> you know. That's what it seems like. We do. All right, here's the next one. After the U.S. Civil War, about 33 to 50% of all U.S. paper currency in circulation was counterfeit. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's interesting. I think that was because, um, from. I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that uh, basically during the Civil War, each state had its own currency. So it was very easy to, you know, you know, make counterfeit money. There wasn't just one, you know, one kind right. of money. Everyone had their own, you know, if you were from wherever it was, you were from Pennsylvania, if you were, everyone had their own currency. So I, that's why I think it was so easy to counterfeit back then. And that's when I think they made this, hey, we're going to have just one kind of money. There, yeah. You know, we're, it's just going to be Solve one. This problem. Yeah, it really does. Because I can't imagine these days going to Ohio and having to get a new set of change or, you know, dollars. It's, and all those, what, currency rates and everything. Oh, yeah, it'd be horrible. Yeah. Iowa's money is a little worse than Michigan's money. Okay. <laughs> okay. Among the Buganda people of Uganda, the widows of a deceased king have the honor of drinking beer in which the dead king's in entrails have been cleaned. Those Bugandans. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to them. <laughs> That's well, kind of like. Well, yeah, hey, I'm not going to make fun of it. I mean, you know, everyone's got their own kinds of, you know, traditions. I mean, I know some of our. Hey, people think. I know some people think that, you know, you're burying people in a, a box in the ground is weird. So, I mean, everyone's got their own traditions. Those just seem a little more dirty. <laughs> uh, I don't know how else to. <laughs> a, little, a little more, a little dirtier. But, uh, hey. You know, for, go go Bugandans. That's pretty cool. I just like saying Bugandans. <laughs> I said why you keep saying yeah. that. <laughs> All right. Arabic numerals were not invented by Arabs, but were invented in India by the Hindus. Well, all right, go Hindus. <laughs> I mean, that was a while. I, I I didn't even think Arabic numerals were invented by Arabs. That makes sense. All right. Before why would you name it that. I don't know. Throw everybody off. No one has an idea what's going on. Yeah. All right. Before 1883. The three-cent U.S. stamp was also used for advertising. The advertisement was located on the back of the stamp for various products. Ah, so they got dual use out of it. 
The back, the the part that sticks? I guess so. <laughs> so the sticky part on the back, you know, it's like a little Coke bottle or something. It's like, hey, all right, and then it's gone. Like, oh, Wendy's, okay. I wonder if it's cheaper to get advertisements on the back. I don't know. What do you think? They, if it's a three-cent stamp, you think they pay three cents for the advertisement? Probably not. No, they had to pay more. Exactly. Right? I mean, three cents did it. But I mean, like, if there's an advertisement on the front and then an advertisement on the back. I need to get one of these stamps, probably make some good money if I right. have one of these nowadays. Yeah. All right, let's see. Uh, Celtic warriors sometimes fought their battles naked. Their bodies dyed blue from head to toe. Sounds like um, Avatar. Yeah, it does sound a lot like Avatar. <laughs> Maybe that's where it came from. Yeah. Good thing they weren't naked in that movie. Yeah. I would, Almost. Close <laughs> like enough. One they were on. close enough. But they, uh, maybe that's where they got it from. Maybe. I don't know. I think Avatar is overrated. Yep. Ugh. I agree, actually. I mean, not to get off time. I'm sorry, Avatar. All you huge... I mean, it's, it's a decent movie, but come on. Everyone wants to act like it's the godfather of the 21st century. Like, I watched it, and I was not as impressed by the graphics as everyone made it out to See, me. my problem is I didn't watch it in theaters. I watched it at home. Exactly. And uh, I'm automatically let to be disappointed. Right. But, all right, China is the oldest known continuous civilization. Awesome. All right, during the 1600s, boys and girls in England wore dresses until they were about seven years old. Well. So would you be able to tell the difference between a boy and a girl? I don't know. It depends on their hair, right? Let's see. That's true. Or do you think they're wearing, like, blue dresses for the boys? I mean, it's like Ireland. Don't they wear kilts? They do. All right, here's the final one. During the 16th century, newly married couples in France had to stand naked outdoors while the groom kissed the bride's left foot and big toe as part of traditional customs. Thank God that tradition has never made its way over here. What's with these naked ones? <laughs> I don't know. It's just some... It's a day of nakedness. All right. Well, thanks for all of our listeners out there. I really appreciate it. A little shout out to uh, my grandparents and uncle. First show they've tuned into. Great to have them listening in. Finally got them online. So uh, thanks again for everyone tuning in this week. We'll definitely have another great show next week. Uh, For all you listeners out there, I'm Dave Harinkew. And I'm Megan. This is a Spartan Sports Wrap. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.